Oh, I've got squiggles. Good. Yeah, it's good. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number video games hot dog number. 205? 203, I think. 203. Yay! It's a number. I'm lost. I've recorded so many advice hot dogs in the last day that uh, I no longer remember what anything is called or what number anything is. Did you did you record them earlier today? Uh, yeah, I just got finished with one. Did you have you been? Does that mean you've been drinking all day long? Uh, no, I started drinking at five. Okay, so right. it's good. I continued drinking at seven. Okay, and I remain drunk. <laughs> uh-huh. so did How Roy you guys just been? get back today? Am I missing all of the? Yeah, he did. He got back yesterday, actually. Okay. Uh, did you guys? You guys were having a. You guys were having a lively debate. It sounded like. Yeah. So we we came into the the office and there was a heated discussion about, um, Gone Home versus Tacoma. And yeah, Paolo was playing better. side by side the trailer for Tacoma, and I think it was also a Gone Home trailer. Yeah. Um and. Complaining about how Tacoma had no textures. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't look like a space station, whereas Gone Home actually looked like a house. And Jane and Jane was cl- talking about how that's because you know what a house looks like, and you're just the space station has to live up to your imagination of a space station. Well, also yeah. like <clears throat> the Plus, also like uh, Ridley Scott films right. of a space station. I mean, and and the and the ships and aliens were working ships. Isn't the Tacoma supposed to be like a luxury resort or something? Oh, is that true? I don't know. I haven't seen the trailer. Yeah, that's, that's, I thought it was a lunar transfer like station. From the, uh, transfer station? Yeah, I thought it was just like an airport. Hmm, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean... I've seen those in real life. <laughs> huh. Space I don't know if I would characterize airports as fancy. Maybe space well, airport. Airport. Well, it's the VIP lounge of the airport. Pretty fancy, right? It might just be a spaceport, guys. It might just be a spaceport. What if the, what if the name of the uh, the spaceport that's in geosynchronous orbit over Phoenix was Space Harbor? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Void like Harbor. <laughs> I had not actually considered that uh, sky is a synonym of air and harbor is a synonym of port. Yeah, I did not realize that the entire time I lived there. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of an on-the-nose name for an airport, but not that like not just a replacing each section of a compound word with a synonym. Yeah. I I love it. I think it's the best airport. I think name. it's pretty good, yeah. <clears throat> it's it's weird that they got to it, you know, got to it first and that they were probably the 48th airport to be to be built in the in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean that airport might have been contemporaneous with all other airports, right? Really do you think all airports were built at the exact same time? No, they've all been but, built in the past hundred years. Yeah, right. So, so on a global scale, uh, well, geological scale, geological all airports scale, are yeah. built simultaneously. So, so, does it have a cool acronym like SKH? It's just, uh, no, I think it's PHX. just PHX. No. Yeah. Which is why we all refer to the city of Phoenix as PHX when we're being cool, right? Right. See, like Phoenix has like an ending song. with an X makes a lot of sense, but LAX for Los Angeles, there is no X in Los Angeles. It's I think Los they Angeles just saw extra, PHX extra and thought, oh, I guess they all end in X. <laughs> well, there's also no X in the first PlayStation. There's also no X in Team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no Y or Z in Toronto. 
that's, um, that's I mean, maybe they true. just maybe they <laughs> described Los Angeles Airport as LAX because they just wanted the acronym of the airport to describe the security. Hmm. But um, dump. I don't think the security at LAX is actually last. <laughs> like that, that drum set had a cash register on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's for that's, how, that's how they make the money. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Go, you gotta, you gotta pay on the downbeat. Pay on the... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> how have you guys been? It seems like I haven't seen you guys in, in weeks. That's because you haven't seen us in weeks. Right. <clears throat> what have you been doing? With I saw show? someone who looked kind of like you. Was it a puppet? It was a puppet. <laughs> I, I, wow! Did I call that? <laughs> That's awesome. That's good. Uh, what what puppet was it? <laughs> it was the uh, I the, believe it was the Iwata puppet. Yeah, and the Nintendo uh, Iwata puppet. It looks kind of like you, Zach. You should you should check if you haven't seen that from E three. You should check it out. Okay. Well, yeah, did you did right. you hear that from Ben? Yeah. Okay. That's okay. So it's not like you like. <laughs> independently discovered this no i i i had basically been ignoring a lot of the like e3 main press stuff but my question then to ben uh ben grew who uh who had said this uh to me on twitter was are you talking about him before or after he becomes a rabbit I yeah well that does kind of look like me I maybe I'll maybe I will some uh, I will replace some of my Phil Collins puppet <laughs> avatars <laughs> with that Iwata puppet avatar for a while. Although I do like the off-putting grotesqueness of that Phil Collins puppet. I don't think I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah I don't know that I'm either. aware of what you're talking about. It's my avatar. So it's my avatar in like the something awful forums and all of our slacks. It's. Oh, that's what that is? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 oh, Phil Collins from the Land of Confusion video. <laughs> I just thought it was some grotesque face you found yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I thought it was No, just it's a, it's a it, grotesque That is Phil what happened. Come. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, good. See, I told you guys I was Asian. <laughs> yeah. What well, what else have you been up to besides just like missing me and being reminded of my absence by puppets in my shape? I uh I'm I am like I feel like I'm like 85 or 90% over the cold or flu or whatever thing I had, which feels great. I'm only, I'm only coughing occasionally. Uh, my sinuses are not continuously draining down into my gullet. Yay. <clears throat> yeah. That's an improvement. So uh, I opened a, a corporate bank account. Ooh. Had you not done that before? I had not done that before. I was about to get some money and I asked, my accountant, like, hey, hey, should I, how important is it that I open a corporate bank account to put this money in? And he said, very important. So I went and did it. Keeping separate finances is pretty valuable. Yeah. Uh, and then I put money in it. Was it a dollar? It was, no, it was more than that. Oh, this is, this is probably some sort of like spoilerific stuff that we can't even know. <laughs> uh, in part, in was part. It a, before, was it a dollar, but it, instead of George Washington, it's got a picture of a frog? <laughs> <laughs> And I, and the the part goal of the goal of the of the game is to find out the bank account number. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> wow! And, and withdraw this frog dollar, and then the serial number on it <laughs> leads you to something else. That's incredible. <laughs> that, that, we're going to talk you're, later, Riff. You're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> yeah, frog uh, dollars. 
I think it would need to be in a safe deposit box. Like I feel like when you deposit an individual dollar, <laughs> no, like no, an no. individual piece of paper currency the in a bank account. The dollar in my bank account is this fake dollar that's just a frog dollar. <laughs> we got we got charged by our fucking bank, our Bank of Fucking America, for put depositing too much money into the account. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I am not even kidding. They charged us for putting too much money into the account. Like eight dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, there was a cap on cash deposits. Yeah. Oh, and cash. Okay. All the money that Zap, all the money that Zapcon made came in as cash, pretty yeah. much. And I just uh, did it in as one giant deposit because that's what you do. Yeah. But what I'm going to do from now on is break it up into just less than ten thousand dollars a month. No, just less than ten thousand dollars a month, which I think is. Bullshit, because that's the kind of behavior that like makes the government yeah super nervous. Because there's when you have a ten thousand like ten thousand dollars or more is the limit when you just have to start like reporting yeah. transactions to the government. Uh, maybe your bank is run by the mafia and they don't want to, the oh, government yeah. to look sus- at it suspiciously. It's just it's just a giant money laundering operation. Man, this is weird because I also did something bank related uh, this week. <laughs> nice, mine's mine's super. We're bank dumb. buddies. <laughs> My my bank related thing was I decided to start keeping a budget, but I didn't want to do anything so overtly grown up. So I got a wooden uh-huh. box and put a bunch of fake cold fake gold Dungeons and Dragons coins in it to to, to use as my budgeting abacus. Nice. So, so so every week I get to deal myself out some gold and silver pieces. Wait, what? Do you but, then go what? take the gold and silver pieces to like the whoever? Like the metal salesman and exchange it for U.S. <laughs> no, currency? No, that would be more fun. I just sort of keep them here on the lid of the box. And then every time I buy something, I keep the receipt and take the receipt home and deduct that amount worth of gold coins from from my week's I, allotment. I've just been using a Google Sheet. If you are like one step away like from just putting fun. putting that number into like Quicken or something, and then yeah, you would actually no, have uh, no, but real but data. D- dealing with Dungeons and Dragons coins is cool. Yeah, uh, plus yeah, plus and, and using it, Quicken makes you a fucking dork. <laughs> and seeing <laughs> it right. as like a pile of physical of physical small like, objects. James makes Dean it would have used Dungeons and Dragons like, coins. How much you've got? Yeah. There. You know what you should also do? You should do that Chris Crawford trick where you have a bunch of beads that oh, you God. move from one fishbowl to another to remind you how soon you're going to die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's going in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. That shit's incredible. Does yeah, he do this I in would, real life? Yeah. yeah it's like a, he really like does. He, it's like an hourglass like for his life. Like a blog post with a, a photo of two jars. And there's this enormous jar which represents his past. And then this tiny jar with just a few marbles in it that represents his future. And every day he takes a marble from the smaller jar and puts it in the bigger jar. I saw. Um, Is he going to kill himself at the end of this? Like what? No, he's like <laughs> counting up till when he's eighty and uh, presuming he, can, he won't be able to work anymore after that. Wow! I saw a similar thing, except it was a uh, uh, a guy who is, I guess, a stage magician or something, or was just really into magic, and he had uh, support, like a, a roof support in his house that was a steel I-beam that was just the right size that he could put a stack of playing cards and decks of cards into that sort of rectangular gap on either side, and so he's moving a playing card from one side of it to the other every day. Wow. I thought you were going to say he was like filing yeah. away a tiny piece of it every Until day, it and then on the last day it collapses and kills him. It's like... <laughs> He's given himself a roof of Damocles. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Jim, how do you measure out your days? 
I, I want to build a Rube Damocles device now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I use Google products to count. Okay. You don't, you don't, do you have that Facebook plugin that tells you how long you have left to live? Uh, you know, I used to have a, uh, on my, back when, back when you could have a website as your desktop, I had, uh, one of those sites that, that you, you'd put in a bunch of information about yourself and it would tell you, you're going to die in so many days. And I just had that. Wow. As my uh, desktop. I wonder I don't if you do that, that anymore. As a face on an Apple Watch. Uh, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah. Or like a chumby app. Oh Can you, you could just strap, strap a chumby to your wrist. What's a chumby? Oh, is this not common knowledge? I've never heard of it. Uh, a chumby is like, this was like in 2005. There was a company that was making these like plush clocks that ran Flash, like ran a really early version of Flash on them. Um, and you could have, uh, a bunch of different apps running on your clock hmm. and that it would just download from this, from the Chumby server. It was a very strange thing that never found a market, but I got one for free. Cause I know one of the developed, one of the people employees. And I was like, just having fun writing programs for it. Huh. And it's, it's very much. Well, it was like the early ones were like the clock embedded in like a plush bean bag. Okay. Uh, and then the later ones were just the plastic. Okay. So I was going to um, say, does it like talk at you like a Teddy Ruxpin? Yeah. Yeah. Was I mean, kind of like a Gumby, but it was, I, I don't think it was supposed to be an animal, but it was supposed to be like, you could squeeze it. And that was an input. I see. Huh. And then it also has like a touchscreen input, but the squeezing was never very, like it never felt very natural. It was always like, I got to find the button to squeeze. Right. And then the plastic one just has a button. Man, I had a moment yesterday. I was packing. Uh, I, I was going to bring my acoustic guitar with me from Phoenix to San Francisco when I go back there tomorrow. And a uh, oh, weird acoustic guitar and go back to San Francisco. Come back to San Francisco are both songs off of 69 Love Songs by the uh, Magnetic Fields. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, oh, also, I'm bringing a zebra. Um, <laughs> oh, there's there's uh, 69 songs on there, so. Yeah, the, every one of the, every word is going to be represented. No, but I, as I was putting the guitar in the case that I hadn't looked at in a long time, I was like, wow, this case is like, this looks like an old instrument case. It's like the outside of it is kind of disintegrating. And I was like, I remember buying this and it was brand new. Right. And that was like, that made me kind of sad. Anyway, that was, that just we're means, all just, we're all going to die like so soon, guys. That just means you're that much closer <laughs> to being a blues man. Oh, I guess that's true. I thought you were going to say I'm that much closer to being a dead blues man. Oh, I watched uh, That Thing You Do, um, which is, I don't, have you guys seen that movie? It's a, it's a, like a, a, from 1996, it's a love letter to the 1960s music scene. Um, and Tom Hanks is in it, right? And yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks. And then like the four kids that are the stars, like just, it's the anti outsiders. They just four kids you think are going to be stars and then they never went anywhere. Um, but there was a, there's like the old, like the old wise blues guy, uh, played by, uh, one of the, one of the wise looking black people in the, in the, in the acting field. Um, and it was just like, I was looking at this. He was like old and wise in 1996 and probably by now he's dead. And that just kind of fucked me up thinking about that. Is that Oba Babatunde? Uh, no. I don't. Well, maybe I don't know who that is. 
So it looked like Liv Tyler was in this. She's had a vibrant career since then. Charlie's their own. Yeah, yeah. No, I was that was thinking of oh yeah, you're right. That was a good point. Uh, I was thinking of the four band members who are the ostensibly the stars of the movie. I don't know which ones there. Oh, Chris Isaac was in it as Uncle Bob. I don't remember that character. Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't recognize any of these any of these guys' names. There was a kid are- who looked a lot like Tom Hanks. You'd think that would be just a shoe in for everything. I think the wise blues man is not actually that old, and he is still alive, and is in fact Oba Baba Tunde. Really? Yeah, it's incredible. Are, are you looking this up now, or are you just remembering? Yes. Okay, no, no, in- I didn't incredible. Uh, Del Paxton is the character's name. Hmm. Let's see if that's it. Related to Bill Paxton. I didn't. It didn't come up. Okay. Oh no, no, that's not Oba Babatunde. Uh, that is Bill Cobbs, and Bill Cobbs is still alive. Fuck yes! All right, we're we're in the clear, guys. <laughs> okay. None of us are ever gonna die because that guy is still alive. <laughs> What, for a while, none of us were ever going to die because Leonard Nimoy was still alive? Right, for a while, yeah. none of us were never going to die because Christopher Lee was still alive? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. All as right, long as, as long as there's an old guy around, we're good. What if we become that old guy? Then we're good. Then we're still good, yeah. yeah. Because as long as we're alive. <laughs> that's, Is Dick Clark that's... still alive? Nope. Okay. It's weird, though, because you think of him hearts. as immortal. He's, he's been reborn in the guise of Ryan Seacrest, right? <laughs> ah, guys, do you want to do some listeners' mails? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Glebes writes, Dear Jim, what do you think of <laughs> Earthbound? <laughs> um, I would really like to play Earthbound 3 because I've heard that's really good. Mother 3. Mm-hmm. It's got like a... It is pretty good. It's a, got some really interesting a, stuff. Yeah, like I heard about the the rhythm based yeah. like Paper Mario uh style action RPG stuff. Yeah. That's super intriguing to me. It's real weird. Um, we got to do that as an assignment at some point when we have the time. I well, I remember I remember trying to run it in an emulator like when it when it first got fan localized and I could not find an emulator that that handled the the rhythm stuff right. Like there was just the latency was terrible. Um, so I'm I'm wondering if you like maybe emulation is better now, or maybe you need to actually play it on the hardware to get that stuff working. Yeah, I um, managed to find through searching the CD back alleys of the internet. I found a, a site where a guy had one cartridge left of a run of of Game Boy Advance cartridges he had had pressed or whatever with that fan translated ROM onto it. Oh. Yeah, so it plays really uh, nice. Uh, so if there's one, there's still one left. I can buy it, and then you guys are all screwed. Well, that's the one I bought. He might have done another. Oh, by now, well though. then the re- us guys are all screwed. Yeah. Uh, and I played uh, Earthbound Zero. I haven't played. I haven't played the one that actually came over. I own it on the Wii U Virtual Console, but I haven't loaded it up yet. Hmm. Um, I feel like I tried to load it up into some emulator at some point and could not ever get it running oh interesting is it the vector based or some weird does it have like a different graphics algorithm than some other than most other games or something no i don't yeah it's pretty much just pixel art sprites but there were things there were definitely some super nintendo games like chrono trigger was really difficult to emulate for a long time because of the way i think it used some custom like layer handling hardware that was on the Uh, cart 
Hmm. Yeah, I remember some games ran at like 480p instead of uh-huh. instead of the the interlaced resolution. Um, and then I played uh, in emulation Earthbound Zero, which didn't really grab me. It seemed like even at the time when I was trying to play RPGs, it was I liked the overworld theme. That was pretty cool. I played Earthbound with a Game Genie code hooked up that just made every hit into a critical hit, which made the combat way more tolerable. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. I remember someone else talking about playing the Earthbound with uh, um, double health and double, or, or the, what it was. Everything, every combat gave you double XP and double gold, and he said it felt right with that that modification. Yeah, maybe let's when we play it, let's just do all of those. Have we just become too like complacent in our old age? We're not willing too to grind. Oh, well, I think I think grinding always sucked. You think? And yeah, we just I you don't mean, think I, it was. We it just didn't have anything filled, better to do with our, our childhood with yeah. with memories. <laughs> I think it serves. I mean, it serves a purpose sometimes. It, there have definitely been grindy <clears throat> things that I enjoyed doing. Yeah, but I, don't I mean, think I don't. Th- I don't think that that is like an axiom of good RPG design is that no, it has to be grindy, right? I, I agree, and I have yeah. done grindy things even now. Like when I was talking about uh, Saints Row: Get Out of Hell, like, <laughs> and I was complaining about how it was short. It was because I wanted to grind on those mini games, on not not the mini games, oh, but like the little sub goals that they give you, and it's just like relaxing to go around the map and like do each little sub goal. Yeah, I'm, and that's that's basically the same thing as grinding in an RPG. I'm I'm down with that on occasion. Yeah. Oh, uh, but you want to you want to choose when you do it though, right? Like, right, and that's, that is yeah. true. Yep. Yeah, yeah I've and, always felt and, it made a good. It made for a decent choice between you know. You can have the hard fights, or you can spend some extra time to make those fights easy. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we try to kind of do that with KOL, right? Like, it's not a grindy game if you're playing it correctly, but playing it correctly is hard. Yeah. So, like, you can just always spend some resources to get bigger than other stuff and beat it easily. Right. Um, Dan, the man beep snatch writes, Kevin, can you explain what F stop is? I ask this because more and more PS4 games are offering a photo mode where you can pretend to be a photos man, uh, see some options in drive club. And then he links to like some interface for uh, setting a bunch of camera settings. What is F stop? I don't know what it stands for, if anything. Um, but it is basically one unit of exposure that <clears throat> going from one to the next is, um, like a doubling or halving of the light that you're oh, you're like a, like a special kind of stop. <clears throat> sure, it's, it's a logarithmic uh, scale is what you what you call that. Uh, so like there are a bunch of different ways to affect a spo- exposure on a camera. So you can like you can adjust your film speed, you can adjust adjust your uh, shutter speed, or you can adjust your aperture, which a lot of people refer to as f stop. Um, can you can you describe the difference between film speed and shutter speed? Yeah, so film speed is just is just they still have this in even in digital cameras. Uh, they'll they'll have a number which is like the ISO or whatever, and it is just literally the sensitivity, like how sensitive the either CCD or actual like silver granules are to light. Oh, uh, so this is a property of the film. Yes. Okay, not not a thing that you can adjust. You can't adjust. So in in film cameras, you could you could only adjust film speed on a per roll basis, and now in digital cameras, you can adjust it on a per picture basis if you want. But but I'm saying you're not adjusting I, it. You're just choosing a roll with a particular speed. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, when when you are taking pictures, 
that is one of the considerations that you you think about like in advance of taking the picture like <clears throat> you know it, theoretically if you're taking pictures on like a large format camera each each individual frame of film is a is a choice right um and it's just it's only because film most people dealt with film in rolls that you don't think of it as like a, a thing that you're adjusting but you you really can like i you know but I, what I'm saying is you don't you don't take a piece of film and change its speed. No, the speed no. is a thing that a piece of film has. Okay, correct. Right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you purchase film or yeah, I guess you could make your own film if you wanted to, but you you purchase film with a particular film speed. Um yeah, so then and then shutter speed is something that you, like that is how long the film is exposed to or the CCD whatever is exposed to light and then the aperture is how big the hole is when light is coming through. Um, and so like a bigger number is actually a smaller hole just to make things even more complicated <laughs> because it's a ratio. Um, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is actually like the level of detail, that the, 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 uh, no, I mean, I, I, I find this interesting at least. Um, I saw a interesting post on Reddit about how, um, it was about specifically how squinting makes things sharper. Yep. That's, and that is definitely a an and aperture like a smaller issue. aperture uh, means uh more things are in focus. Yep, a wider depth of field. Yep, and it, you can you can sort of understand it too because it's it like just narrows the it narrows the, the range which light is yeah, coming in. Yeah, the incident, I, yeah. So all of the like circles of I forget what they're called. There's there's a name for like the circles that happen when the uh, the little um, light rays come in from different points Lens and there is a point at which something actually looks in focus to the human eye and that's that's what determines what focus is because huh. there is only actually one point of real actual focus with a camera lens but there's a there's a depth in front of that and behind that that looks like it's in focus to the human eye the circle of resolution maybe is what it is um, and it's it's like a third in front and two thirds behind the actual plane of focus in a picture is um is where that depth comes from. Right. Wow. Um, weird. So, huh. So, so a photograph, the portions of a photograph that are in <clears throat> focus are determined by some weird factor about human biology rather than some element of physics. Yeah, kind of. Well, I guess if you consider biology to be a subset of physics, then, right? Uh, no, but, uh, huh. Crazy. Right. It's, there's a, there's just like, there's all kinds of like crazy. So like the reason that you would have three different controls for, for, exposure like this instead of just one thing that's just like a single number you know one through 11 or whatever that you would be exposing on is because if you know as you change your aperture you are also changing your depth of field right because like if you want to take a portrait with the background all blurred out you want to have a, a nice big hole so that there's a very small depth of field so you'll get the person in focus but none of the background stuff nice. right so and then that that means that you will have to if you if you're getting letting a lot of light in and it's say it's outside during the day you need to have a really short duration shutter speed or a really insensitive film like a really low film speed so that you can let all that light in without overexposing it right and so and the shutter speed has similar kinds of effects like you can uh, uh, if you expose the film for a second you're going to get all sorts of blurry lines because there's light while stuff is moving like it's going to cause all this blur which sometimes is desirable sometimes not um whereas if you have if your shutter speed is like one 250th of a second you're going to freeze most of the action uh and film speed is is literally just sensitivity so that's where actually kind of the most interesting um the choices are made because there you're just deciding like how grainy the picture is going to look because as you decrease the sensitivity you have to 
increase the actual physical when it was film, you increase this physical size of silver grains, which is why it's called grainy. Um, and it's like, you can have really, really low film speed that looks just beautiful and can be blown up super huge, but it takes a lot of light to actually expose. Um, I forget that you had this whole life before we started working together where you're just an expert (laughs) in something. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't use it basically ever. Yeah. Yeah, Do you have a, that was, that was very illuminating. Yeah. Yeah. I like photography. Sure. What were you saying, Jim? Uh, I was asking if he has experience doing like film photography or thinking about it. Film, yeah, and that's what I did for 15 years. I was a freelance photographer. Before right, right. I, I, I was, uh, maybe stuff. you can shed some light on this, like the <laughs> idea of, um, so to speak. Um, maybe you can bring this into clearer focus, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> Let me F stop you. Fuck you guys. Oh, that's what the F stands for. <laughs> be sure to be sure to be sure to be really, really candid about this. Just pretend you're at a wedding, you know, and, uh, um, Photography. Film, yeah, film photography. Film photography. Oh, that's what the F stands for. Photography <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, I was reading about specifically Saving Private Ryan and about how it was shot um, such that every frame had a very short exposure. Okay. And this gives it a, a more immediacy. Interesting. Uh, this is not something you're like, you have something to say about immediately? I have. Because well, I don't have much more than that to go on. Well, so like... I'm I am not super familiar with the the different sort of features used in like uh, cinema right. because that so like typically that is taking 24 frames a second right um, and you can achieve that a number of different ways usually you're not dividing it up into just one 24th of a second it's usually shorter than that but you can do probably do even really short sh- like short very tight. Um, exposures if you wanted to right which would I, I, yeah i mean I, I imagine that would probably have some sort of impact i, I just don't I, I don't know okay so this is not like you haven't thought about like the the psychology or the per, per, the perception of what these things i mean this is i guess this is like a a director of photography sort of a question yeah that's really interesting though that yeah. i i never Perhaps. i have never thought about shutter speed in standards like standard projection speed like you know because you'll have like you'll have like crazy you know thousand frame per second slow motion kind of stuff right um or there's the like there's also uh what is it called step step exposure where it it, like it's slow motion by showing you the same frame for like half a second at a time yeah um yeah i and i had always assumed that um that the exposures were longer just to compensate for the very low frame rate by comparison to like, uh, I'm used to like looking at things at 30 or 60. Right. That and it 60 looks smooth to me, and 30 doesn't really. Interesting. Um, yeah, but movies don't see. I mean, movies have been at 30 frames a second or 20, what, 24, 24, right? For yeah. for our entire lives, and right. they don't look choppy. They don't look low frame rate. Sometimes and I wonder they if that's, do. Well, and I think a lot of that is just like they know how to make it not look choppy. Well, they, they don't. Are, make you, are you talking about like? Are you talking about like going to a modern? Th- I'm talking theater? about no. I'm talking about analog. I'm talking about analog movies, like the movies that we saw when we were kids. They were at 24 frames a second, but I feel like it's just persistence of vision works in I mean, some way on a on well, a thing that it's in the distance that it doesn't. I, I've on seen a monitor that you're looking at. I've seen movies look choppy in in and the theater. I, I do think it's or, technique. I um because it like, was at home. Digital projection has there was there was definitely like a really awkward 
five or six years of digital projection where I couldn't stand to go to a right. digital theater because I, anytime I like closed my eyes or moved my head, it w- it just sort of made me nauseated. nauseated. I had oh, assumed it was, it was technique in that like the, <clears throat> the people doing the photography knew what not to do. Hmm. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Um, Maybe you get yeah, a little I, bit of like motion blur in 24 frame per second film. Right. Well, yeah, that's which that is, that entirely, which is that exactly what like I was wondering about re-saving Private Ryan. Where so if they chose, if they specifically chose not to do that, it probably would make it feel crisper and more realistic, which is what they, they were really going for a gritty feeling yeah. to it. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So if you're a director of photography, listener, write in. Yeah. And school us. Even Kevin, apparently. Yep. The director director of photography, oddly, does a lot of the, like, lighting work Hmm. in films. Like, the the director, like, the person who's, like, talking to the actors is also the person who, like, usually chooses where the camera goes. Okay. And then the director of photography usually does, like, the lighting. They might might also choose things like frame rate and stuff like that. But then there's also the, the camera operator. Right. And I think there's, I think there's a, I think the director and the director of photography, like, uh, discuss the types of lenses and, and stuff to use. Right. So. Oh, wait, so the camera operator is the person who, when the cameraman says, I'd like to connect this camera to mainframe Pennsylvania 4000, please, the operator says, right away, sir. Yeah, yes. who, who does the scene in Apollo 13 where they're, they've got this crate of parts and they need to figure <laughs> out how to get this lens on this camera with just these parts? <laughs> Have you guys been playing any video games? Uh, I played I- a little bit of Legend of Grimrock 2. Oh yeah. It was How'd you feel about that? Steam. It's real good. I really liked the first one, and this is not super different. It's like I think it's the same engine, and there's not really any new mechanics. But instead of like one very large dungeon, it's a bunch of smaller dungeons connected by a sort of outside overworld landscape. It's pretty good. It's real pretty. The lighting effects are really great, and the exploration is real interesting. Uh, but uh, I mean, other than that, it's not super different. So. If you liked Grimrock One, you're probably gonna like Grimrock Two. The, there's the one the one thing that I've noticed that they they seem to have taken into account from the first one is that when you're playing Legend of Grimrock, it's it, for people that haven't played it, it's like a first person fantasy game, sort of like the old uh, Might and Magic kind of. Because uh, you've got that square grid that you're walking around on, and this—it's this, more like Bard's it's Tale. More like Bard's Tale, Eye of the more Beholder. Like, I, okay, I never, no. I never it's, played it's, that. It's, or, it is like Eye of the Beholder. Like it is in fact exactly that's real like time. Eye of the Beholder, and not yeah. yet. It, it, Legend okay. of Grimrock is real time in the way that Eye of the Beholder yeah, is. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And the, uh, the the feeling of it, the 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 like sort of texture map ten by ten dungeon kind of thing is. Yeah, and it's so it's in combat you've got. Like the particular dance that you do in four squares with, you know, keeping yourself in the diagonal square from the enemy and then trying to skint around to the to their side and then they move to the other square and you just kind of rotate around each other until you manage to kill them. Yeah. Um, and I feel I, like that is the thing that I that is the one thing that I makes me not like that you did yeah, like. I had, what I had read was that that was like uh, an exploit in Live the Beholder and then it just became the thing that defined the genre. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which is in, in just Legend super uninteresting to me. I feel like if you tried to not do that, you couldn't have gotten away with it because the, 
the, the yeah. Grimrock Two, I got much expecting. further in Grimrock Two without having to do that shit. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, it also in in Grimrock Two, what they did was rather than attempt to remove it, they attempted to make it more interesting by having the enemies take into account the fact that you're gonna do that. So, <laughs> so like they will change their facing really quickly and abruptly, and some of them will jump out of the way immediately if you move to their flank. Yeah, and, and so you that, have to that, you have to come to grips with the pattern of how an individual enemy is going to behave when you try and do this dance with them. That sounds like they're really trying to make it go the route of the shmup, where only super hardcore people will be ever interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm I'm excited about star crawlers because star crawlers w will teach people who think that Legend of Grimrock is like all of those old sort of fixed point maze crawling RPGs. It will make them understand that, like, oh, no, it's like one of them and Starcrawlers is like all of the others yeah. where the the combat is just RPG combat, which is kind of what you want. Right. Hmm. Well, it's what I want. Right. Least. Right. Um, uh, I mean, might I, and magic, I always want might and magic. No. I, yeah. No, I know. I know you do. But uh, might and magic that series, especially from like three on actually just from three on did a kind of a hybrid thing where you would move, but enemies were actually out in the world. And so you could mm -hmm. like shoot at them and stuff. Right. Um, Star crawlers is very much like you enter a square where there's an enemy and then it switches to a combat mode. It I'm curious if you're going to like it. Kevin, uh, I haven't played this in a, I haven't played it in a while. I've, I've been sort of staying away from the alpha builds until it's done because I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, but it goes, it's got a turn-based combat mode where there's a sort of a timeline where everything that you do takes a certain amount of time mm -hmm. and it pushes you back that many ticks into the timeline. And like when you mouse over an ability, it's like, all right, if you do this, your next move will be before this guy, but after these two guys. Right. That's interesting. Whatever. Which is there's just a little more to it. It's not. Yeah, uh, that's more. That's definitely more interesting than just every action takes the same amount of time. You just rotate through. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. No, cool. I mean, Legend of Grimark 2 is good, and I'm glad yeah. that uh, I'm glad that the Steam sale is getting in front of people. I found some real Steam sale fatigue, like. Oh, yeah. yeah, I have everything, gone back everything that had occurred like to me to buy, I basically day. already owned. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I'm, I've been that way with the late, with all the good latest Humble Bundles. Just, yeah, I've already got all this stuff, guys. Every now and then there'll be a new Humble Bundle that's like, oh, wow, this is a bunch of indie games that I have either not heard of or like was sort of aware of but hadn't gotten yet or whatever. But right, yeah. Usually not that, usually not that case. I, Play I, get, anything else, I still get a lot of good stuff off of the humble comics bundles, but yeah, not so much the video games anymore. Um, the other thing that I played a significant amount of was the uh, the new Fallout Vault iOS game. Yep, Fallout. Oh Shelter. yeah, the the Fallout Unbreakable Shelter, Kimmy yeah. Schmidt prequel. <laughs> what is what is that about? It's like Tiny it's about Tower, keep, but yeah. Fallout keeping, like, themed, but it's, keeping it's women in a hole vault. in the ground. Yeah, there's a lot more. Yeah, it's like making it's like forcing people to have sex. Yes, having ma making two people have sex is how you make them 100 percent happy. <laughs> OK, it's I mean, that tracks with that tracks with my experience. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like the fleeting moments in which I am 100 percent happy are usually those. When you have made someone else have sex? Yeah, when I force someone else to have sex. And I know that I know that I'm creating another person to live in this post-apocalyptic hellscape. Yep. It could One be worse. At I... least it ke it keeps track of who which which people are which other people's immediate family members <laughs> and they will not have <laughs> sex with each other. 
Good. Yeah. Oh, so I wonder if that's that's why I'm not. That sucks. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. Because that's I was, why you're not. I was playing happy. it, and I was wondering if that was gonna if if, if this was gonna be permitted. And I was like, that's gonna get real weird if incest is. A yeah, they need They need and like then, an app to keep track of it, like in Iceland. Well, I, I I zoomed in on the room where I had these two people talking to each other to see, you know, what cheesy pickup lines they were using. And one of them said, it sure is nice to spend time with my family once in a while. <laughs> I said, oh. <laughs> right, yeah. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had read that this game, the, the headline was that this game outperformed uh, Candy Crush Candy for Crush, one day. Yeah. Which is interesting because this is, uh, Fallout Vault is really cool about the in-app purchase stuff. It's not in your face at all. Oh, yeah. And they're really, like, they're completely unnecessary for gameplay. Um, it's, it's wholly just, this is some bonus stuff that would be nice to have if you want it. Uh, but we're not what even. Kind of but you get something. I mean, you get you get a certain number yeah, of like quests, just and they will it, give you. You get a few yeah. of the things. Just they're rare and it doesn't seem to be while, slowing yeah. down the rate at which it gives them to. You. Are they? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Like I haven't, I haven't played that much of it. But for me, but you but know, yeah, I just it, gave it, them. I just gave them ten bucks. I was like, you know what? I will give ten dollars yeah. to the people that made this I, I game, and I will see how many little packs of trading cards I get in a couple of days. But yeah, I I got I got one lunch box off of a off of a quest earlier today, and got a a rare villager who was dressed as a king so i i made him king of the water tribe and i was like well this is pretty cool i might have to get some more of these <laughs> but it, right. are there any i'm just going to keep snakes? i'm going to i am going to let this king breed with all of my women <laughs> <laughs> oh do do the children take on the same clothing no no, because they, they the the rare villagers show up with like a piece of equipment that is their yeah. clothing. Okay, it's, you, I was you, I try to can attach costumes or outfits and weapons to the people. And you get like you get like sexy lingerie that you can put on the ladies that increases their charisma, which I think makes them breed faster. Uh huh. Good. I guess you could put it on the gentleman too. I just never yeah. tried because I don't care what that dude looks like in in lingerie. It's probably like in the Fallout games where it's just like pajamas. It's just like oh okay. I was gonna say it's just it's plus two charisma no matter what your gender is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's charisma is also useful for whoever you've got running your uh, radio room, which is for attracting new villagers. But if you're not getting enough villagers already by having your having your villagers screwing all the time. So, so do they really call them villagers? No, uh, they're dwellers. They're, dwellers, they're vault yeah. dwellers. D dwellers is a, yeah, it's more, more appropriate for underground people. It's, it's really good. Actually. Yeah, it is. It's like, super I just polished. feel like it's a good game. <laughs> like I love the, and, it, and it's the like sort of a well done free to play game. stuff. It does when you scroll around it, like tilts the angle of view of each room so it actually looks like you're moving up and down this cliff face. It just looks oh, really cool. Yep. And, uh, yeah. I'm excited about it because it's Fallout. Yep. You know, it's like they just they made a game out of this art style of the little Vault Boy drawings. And, like, that shit is charming as shit. And it, like, connects in my mind with, like, my favorite video game, you know, <laughs> and it's, I don't know. It's just, it's really exciting. I'm no, that's really, a, that's really real excited about sure. fallout four. Yeah. Like, man, I read the other day that the, the pit boy that the collector's edition uses the app for it is not just for like looks. Apparently it, it uses the wifi or whatever in your phone to hook up 
with the game as you're playing it. So you can use the actual Pip-Boy on your wrist as your inventory wow. management uh. instead of clicking to a menu. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to do that, but that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like something you do maybe for an hour the first day and then put it away. But it sounds awesome. Or, I mean, though, you know, if you could just have a constantly updating little map on your desk next to your computer, that would be awesome. I would love it if my phone acted as an always-on mini-map so that I didn't have to keep tabbing mm. to the map. True. Hmm. That would be pretty cool. Would you put it in front of your monitor just to simulate the mini-map that would be there? <laughs> you have to hold your wrist up all the time. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, I feel like this Pip-Boy thing that I bought is just going to be a shelf decoration for me anyway. I am, um, after that uh, listener wrote in, and I actually, I did some of this the other day and forgot to talk about it on the previous episode, but that, that person wrote in and asked if any of us had played Honey Pop. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I bought, I bought Honey Pop because I had never played a dating sim game and I was sort of curious about it, but not enough to actually play one until it was like, oh, this is like Puzzle Quest, except a Japanese dating sim. Except I guess not really meaningfully Japanese because it seems like just an American guy made it. Yeah, but I think it, it was a I think it was a naughty dog employee. It's definitely like trying to give you a Japanese style boner. <laughs> like <laughs> right. it's, that's clearly it's it's vintage. But um so it's it's essentially just a kind of match 3 game combined with a resource management game where you have two resources. There's there's Muni and Huni. And uh, <laughs> Huni is what you use to, like, level up your abilities, which are, like, you get more effectiveness for, like, matching certain colors of things. Like, it's kind of Puzzle Questy in that you've got this different kind of mana, which is, like, you have talent mana, flirting mana... Uh, sex mana, sexuality mana, and then some other fourth thing that women like. I guess I don't, I don't remember what it is. It must be it must be one that I don't personally have any uh, familiarity with. But you get you you level up in these skills that just make those matches give you sort of more, you know, deal more damage against the woman whose defenses you're trying to break down to get her to like you more. Wow. <laughs> uh, you you then can use the you you go on dates, which is just playing a game of this. And there's not really an antagonist, but there are things that you're intended to not match. So your your predictive abilities about cascades come in handy for not sort of losing progress. Huh. And you have a limited number of moves to like impress her during the date. And if you don't, then you just don't make any forward progress. Like, I don't think that you can actually, like, fuck anything up because that would really interfere with the, like, wish fulfillment aspect of the whole thing. So you go on dates and earn muni, and then you spend the muni on food, which you can then feed to the girl to make it so you can talk to her more, which is how you earn huni uh, to level up. It's muni and huni and not money and honey. It's probably money and honey, but it's spelled M-U-N-I-E. And it's, so, I mean, it's, it's like a, I, this is like, must be a Kerbal dating. <laughs> um, so, and like every girl like has, you, there's all this stuff that you just know about her to begin with, which is like, she likes candy and breakfast and her favorite <laughs> booze is whatever. So you, there's the conversation game, which is where you're just 
like sort of actually learning things that you then have to remember later. Like this, tell me, tell me if this hasn't happened to you guys over and over and over again, fellas, you'll ask a woman, say, what's your cup size? And she'll tell you. And then the next day when you run into her at the casino, she will say, Hey, I just want to quiz you. Do you remember how big my boobs are? And then if you do remember her specific cup size, it makes her like you more. And then you gain sexual prowess uh, that you can then use on other women. (laughs) <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it really, it really tracks. So the the you can also give them alcohol, and every girl has an alcohol tolerance and a, like a favorite booze. And I think that all that does is it gives you a multiplier on the amount of of, of honey that you get, like the amount of XP that you get by. Are you giving up on the, you're giving up on that pronunciation? You don't want to do that uh, yeah, bit yeah. anymore. It's not funny anymore. Yeah, fair uh, enough. You mean it's not? I'm funy. sorry, it's not funny <laughs> anymore. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so you you have to feed them, and there's only some there's only certain kinds of food that they will eat, and that gives that like buys you another uh, dialogue option, right? It gives you one more conversation unit, and they all like. They will ask you something about like, you know, do you think it's important to be totally upfront about your past relationships? And like you get three different answers, you know, all of which are quasi reasonable responses to a question like that. And one of them is the right answer, which will get you more honey. And one of them is the wrong answer. And you don't don't ever lose anything. You just either gain or gain less or gain nothing for for getting things right or getting things wrong. And like if you go on enough dates what the thing that frustrated me is I wanted to I didn't want to play a lot of this, but I wanted to understand <laughs> how it worked. What I wanted was the ability to just go on a bunch of dates with one girl. But what the game sort of makes you do is date a bunch of different girls. Huh. So I, I guess what I what I really want is not a Japanese dating sim, but a, a, a Japanese serial monogamy sim. <laughs> right. Have you have you tried dating any pigeons? I have not. I have not. Uh, we should we should play Hato Full Boyfriend at some point. We should. I think that would be really interesting. Like you, so you go on a bunch of you go on a bunch of dates, and then you basically have to go talk to other women to like. I guess they have a refractory period on dates. They'll be like, "Oh, out of town. I'm out of town for the afternoon, or I'm asleep for the morning, or whatever." So they they just don't show up on your girl finder. I mean, app if you have a giant candy anymore. breakfast, you're gonna pass out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, uh, so then you you eventually you like you just sort of have to be have to be like raising your sort of heart level with all of these different girls at the same time. I guess you could just waste time and only ever sort of play against one of them against anyway you get them up, you get them up to like a like after you've gone on five dates you start to be able to go on day dates or night dates and if you take them on a night date and you win the night date they'll be like all right i'm coming back to your place and then you get a sort of like i bought the i bought the the non-steam version so that it would actually have nudity because you you warned me about that jim right <laughs> it sends you it sends you to like a lightning round version of the game where there's there aren't any of the bad things that you're not supposed to match and you basically are just have this meter that's constantly depleting where like more and more of her underwear comes off as you bring her closer to orgasm at which point you then get like a weird uh, gross porn slideshow <laughs> And that's the payoff, I guess. Wow. Yeah. Like, I was not, like, it didn't read 
I don't know. I, I feel like I still don't know anything about this genre of game because yeah. it seems like if it was porn, it would just be porn as opposed to like kind of porn that you really have to work for. Well, I feel like this sort of thing, what you described sounds a lot more like it's, it is porn that you work for, which like, that's a real thing. Sure. That's fine. I mean, um, and when I described it as a dating sim, like, uh, dating sims that I think of are things like, I mean, there, there's a, there are, there's a, um, a spectrum presumably, but they're a lot more about connection with the characters and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and this seems to be like, there's, there's like some characters in there, but there isn't really a story except like the arc of your sexual conquest. Yeah, I mean, this is very much just an RPG where you don't kill anything, you just fuck things instead. Yeah. Which right? is, and I mean, that's fine. You know, I mean, honestly, that is fine. Like, it's it's no weirder. I, I was kind of thinking about how, like, hmm. there is a part of me that sort of doesn't. And th- th- this is this is definitely an opinion that I have not really ruminated on nor talk to anyone about ever. But like, I kind of feel the same way about sex in porn that I do about violence in video games, which is that it doesn't, it doesn't really bear a lot of scrutiny. You don't really need to think about what it's about or whether it's okay or not, because it like violence is the point of a violent video game and exploring that is the release that it grants and sex is the point of porn and you know that it's not real. And so like it, it, it strikes me that like, I don't know whether it makes sense to like really consider the way that this game treats people any more than it makes sense to consider the way that world of Warcraft treats kobolds, Hmm. you know, the, the fact that they, the fact that they are models of actual people in the world does not make them actual people in the world. And it doesn't change the fundamental nature of what this thing is, which is just like an, an indulgent presentation of one of the things your idiot lizard brain wants to spend time on. Sure. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. And and in this case, it's not just the sex. It's also the seduction process. Well, which that's the part where it's like that. I really don't. It, it drives me fucking crazy when people say anything good about the romance parts of Bioware games. (laughs) Right. Because really all that is, is this, it is a, there are these items that have certain enchantments on them. And those enchantments are make this particular flavor of hot girl like me more. And you give them enough of those items and then you get to fuck them. And like, I played mass effect two and I don't remember this part. Is it, I mean, I guess in the, in there it's more, I guess I'm thinking more of dragon age or like, uh, or, or like Knights of the old Republic. Right. Like in Mass Effect, it was more just like I picking the right conversation you. options or whatever. Oh, did you? This Skype connection feels like it's pretty bad. So maybe we'll catch up. Maybe I'll have to edit this together. And like, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can hear me or not, but I like I don't <clears throat> yeah. know. I don't know that it makes sense for me to like 
criticize this in terms of its content any more than it makes sense for me to criticize like doom in terms of what it has to say about war you know yeah yeah because what it has to say about war is like shooting stuff is fun and what this has to say about sex is that like looking at boobs is fun and (laughs) those are like kind of uncontroversial statements (laughs) and they're presented in a way that's like eh, whatever like this is not it, it sounds harmless yeah, it really and it feels harmless to me and uh, like but do you not do you not worry that it feels harmless to you as a person in a particular place in society and all of the different things that that entails like your gender and your social class and your Yeah, I mean, you know I mean? Y- sure, yeah. No, I I, <clears throat> I I and I guess what I'm the 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 point of the point of what I'm trying to express here is that I thought about that and it still didn't seem to matter. Hmm. And I'm, it's entirely possible that I am just wrong about that. And that this game is actually like making the world worse for women in a meaningful way. But I, I don't know that I buy that argument. I don't know that I buy that outrage. I don't think I've ever seen anybody make that about this, make that case about this game. Oh, really? I thought I assumed from the fact that it was brought to our attention at all, that it was, that it was brought to our attention because it was controversial, not, not Uh, because they thought we might want to play it. Oh, I don't remember. I remember someone said it, someone recommended it for the assignment. Um, I don't remember if they said it was good or not. Hmm. I, the thing I saw about this game that was arguably critical was a video of a conversation between two women where they were just trading insults back and forth for a few minutes, basically. Yeah. In, in game? In, in the game, yeah. Huh. Yeah, every time you... It, like, when it introduces the, the characters of the women, they're always introduced in pairs hmm. and interacting with each other. Okay. And, I don't know, It's like it seems like there's a lot of just, like coercion about dressing sexier or being mean to each other about being skanks or whatever like okay so there is there is definitely like a lot of sort of i hadn't i hadn't actually thought about that because those those like those are conversations that happen once in the sort of setup for the rest of the thing and then it's like just you talking to a person having like not terribly written and not terribly voice acted conversations i mean not very realistic conversations but like hmm. you know there's just a lot of like asking you hey uh remember i told you how tall i was how tall am i like <laughs> that was like three that was like three days of game time ago i don't know <laughs> so i guess i don't get any extra honey for knowing that weird What's it the- is really weird i <sighs> it, you know the- i just i hope that no one takes this as a as a model for how to interact with humans in the world, right? Well, that's, I hope not. Feel that's the same way that's, about Doom. Well, right. <laughs> but you're not, in that case, you're not shooting people. Right? Yeah, well, Doom Doom's setting is fantastical, whereas this is a a fantasy of something that you, that real people go out and actually do in real life. Yeah, on a daily basis. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I do think that there's, there's certainly going to be part of the audience that, is playing a game like this to have this fantasy because this is something they don't don't feel like they can do in real life. 
Well, I mean, and that is because they can't do it in real life because it's fucking creepy. And and it's especially creepy when they do it, right? Like, it's maybe nominally not creepy if, like, a charming, good-looking guy does this kind of thing, which is just, like, walk up to a girl in a cafe and say, hey, you're really hot. We should go out on a date. Like, that is just not actually a thing that happens. Right. But... And maybe the fantasy that you're playing out here is just being an attractive person. Like, for all I know, that's actually what dating is like. <laughs> uh, you you have to match all these shapes together. And <laughs> no. Yep. Yeah. Oh, no. I was trying to flirt and I accidentally sexuality to you. Uh, yeah. I ran out of time because I didn't get enough of your bells close enough together. So you decided to stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It could be like a, let me show you my Pokemans thing where you just, you impress the girl by showing her how well you match things on the screen. <laughs> no. Yeah. Anyway, that and fallout shelter is all I played. Did, did any of the San Francisco contingent play any video games? I played a, I played a couple. I uh, I played Snakebird. Oh yeah, which I, I, is you mentioned that to us, and I looked at the video. It looks interesting. It also looks difficult. It is hard. It is it is definitely a difficult and challenging puzzle game. Uh, but it is really really good. It's charming. It's this weird sort of cross between Snake and maybe Sokobond, but in on a like. Uh, gravity-based platformer screen. Hmm. <clears throat> so you're like, y- you will consume some food and grow longer as a, as a snake bird. Um, but you're affected by gravity, which has a huge impact on traversing the level. And you're after all the food is consumed on a level, then you have to get to the exit. Um, and occasionally there are little like other objects in the scene that you can move around, kind of like a Sokoban situation. Um, but the, the level design is, is really tight and very, very considered and very good. Like the, the puzzles are hard and good. Um, so if you, if you like puzzle games, I definitely recommend it. Um, and then <clears throat> I played for today. I played for like, I don't know, half an hour. This, this game called agar.io or that's the, actual, that's oh, the, yeah. the URL of it. It is. You linked, you linked to that in the Slack. A fascinating little MMO. Uh, <clears throat> it is. You are playing as a cell and you're wandering around in ostensibly a, a petri dish, um, gathering food and eating. And there are a bunch of other players doing the exact same thing. They, you can eat anyone that is smaller than you, uh, and absorb their mass. And anyone that is larger than you can eat you. And you can divide your cell, which also sort of shoots your sh- half of yourself forward. So that's one way to catch up to smaller cells, which are a little faster than the larger cells. Um, and you can also eject a little bit of your mass out uh, to do whatever. You can either do that as a way to reduce your size so you can become faster, or you do it as a way to... Um, you can play the game in a free-for-all mode where everybody's out for themselves, or in a team-based mode where there's three different teams. Um, and so you can like give a bunch of mass to somebody on your team to try to make them bigger than somebody they're about to fight or something. Uh, I must have missed the instructions. I didn't realize that I didn't realize that I had those other two verbs at my disposal. Uh, it's just on the on the very front first screen when you're like choosing your name or whatever it says these are the three 
keys. You know, you, oh. you you move around with the mouse and then W and space bar, I think, were the keys. I found some uh, environmental hazards that, uh, and I was just clicking to move. So, I, yeah, oh, I should have yeah. read the instructions because that would have that been way better. There are these environmental hazards that will then just break you into, like, 15 if, yeah, if you're things lar- that are one fifteenth your size. If you're larger than that, yeah, there's these, like, green sort of spiky things, which if you're smaller, then you can just move up to and go inside and which that's awesome because that's like an interesting hazard for big like really big things that are chasing you like it's 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 great i you know you look at it and it doesn't look like much but like i started playing it and then like 10 minutes later i was like oh wow i'm still playing this thing that is just this really (laughs) simple set of rules yeah it's like it's it's sort of this weird distillation of like pvp mmo kind of stuff it's it's really clever and uh and worth checking out um, and then, uh, because of the steam summer sale, which I played a little bit of that, like super dumb clicker oh, yeah, game, yeah. um, which <clears throat> I guess Reddit has now just written a bunch of scripts for. So there are Dope. teams that are just <laughs> getting thousands of levels every hour or whatever. Um, uh, I play, I bought, I finally bought and have been, uh, playing a bit of watchdogs, mm. um, oh. which I, I don't know. It's like I am simultaneously enjoying it and also disappointed, you know? Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, you know, I, I knew what I, I wanted out of a, a video game that like sort of promised to be uh, like a super awesome hacking game, but also Grand Theft Auto. And it's not really either. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's got some fun stuff and it has a ton of mini games, some of which are really fun. So that's cool. I I did I played a bunch of chess puzzles. Yeah. And <laughs> you oh, did you, did you would like unlock the chess puzzles and then go around the world doing every chess puzzle? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. can totally just that's exactly that's that. I did that and I was like, oh, I'm gonna play some more of these chess puzzles. And there's there are different kinds of chess puzzles, which is nice. Yeah. Like, so it's, it, you know, it is. It's almost like it's more of a platform for other video games than. Yeah. It, just a video game in and of itself. I've been watching Sounds familiar. Uh, a Let's Play of it by uh, yeah. Chip Cheesem and General Ironicus, and they were commenting that they felt that their next, the next game should just be expanding the the giant spider robot mini game oh, into yeah, a game of its fun. own, and they would totally buy that. Uh, I remember people saying the same thing about the uh, the linear levels in Super Mario Sunshine. Huh. They should just be a game of in and of yeah, itself. Yeah, they, they should just take that and make it a game. Well, then they kind of did in Super they, Mario 3D. They kind of did, right? yeah. Well, yeah, Mario so. Galaxy was kind of like that, actually. Uh, it was just a series of linear challenges. Oh, 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 in Sunshine, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, no, you're right. Okay, right, I forgot. I was I was thinking about the like retro levels in Mario Galaxy. I don't remember those. They were... Were, were they like side-on? Yeah, no, they would just, they would go into like this sort of weird abstract. I feel like it would start playing like original Super Mario Brothers music. That was Super Mario Sunshine. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. Then never mind. I just don't know anything about video games. <laughs> no, you you remember, you just don't remember the, what you call them. Okay, fair enough. They also, they all start with Super Mario. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. That's a problem. That's actually a serious problem. They They ran out of words to put at the end, so they started putting the word new at the beginning. It's just not very helpful. It's like the new 3DS. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Makes it really easy to shop for online. <laughs> yeah, I want to get a new 3DS. Thanks. Yeah. I've been playing High Rise Heroes. Okay. Which was in a mobile bundle. Is that 
uh, shit, is High Rise Heroes one of the clones of the? Uh, fuck! What was that? What was the Tiny Tower thing? No, this is a different thing entirely. It's it's a different thing entirely. Okay. It, it is a uh, it's a make a word game. Oh, make it like like Boggle. Oh, um, I have played this. It's Boggle, except you're rescuing people from a from a disaster building. Okay. There are, like, characters in some of the tiles, and you have to sort of dig letters out from under them yeah, to get, get them. Yeah, get them to the to, rescue zone. They're, they're, like, trapped on the roof of a building, and you're going down the building, and so you have to get them down to the next floor down. Yeah, and there's, like, extensive scripts, uh, extensive, like, dialogue between each level, uh, which is not very well written. But that's yeah, how that, they, got it, ti- but, that got tiresome in a big hurry. Right, right. and and that But that's how they introduce, like, new characters with new abilities and, like, huh. weird side like not even side goals cuz like if you don't get that if you don't rescue that teddy bear for the little girl you can't continue it's an actual like in like a mainline mission but yeah i have i've really been enjoying that um it's got a uh, good a good uh a good combo system and combined with its special ability stuff um i've been going back over i finished the main storyline and i've been going over it getting trying to get 3 stars in every level which I've done in everything but the weird, dumb special case levels that are more like that are that are like the mini games of this mini game. Um, but yeah, that's that's been pretty enjoyable. Uh, and I've been playing um, Radical Repelling, which is uh, Half Brick's latest thing. Huh. Uh, and it's 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 very much like. Uh, like Jetpack Joyride, except you're going down a cliffside. It's got a lot of the same elements to it, like the, the okay. coin economy and the the rotating achievement system and the like where the achievements kind of become the point of the game rather than actually uh beating your maximum distance. Hmm. And that's is half brick what else did ha- did half brick make jetpack joyride yeah they did uh and they okay. made um fruit ninja oh i didn't realize those were the same people i guess yeah yeah that, well, they, that's they a get good, around uh, yeah that's a good track record yeah at least in terms of making things that are accessible and popular right yep yeah they're doing they're doing pretty well financially even cats can play fruit ninja <laughs> that's right <laughs> oh right i also forgot i played that nico atsune game did you did oh, you guys yeah. play Shit. that at all i've been yeah. seeing screenshots yeah, of it I, I don't know what is it it's i don't know it's a game that's all in <laughs> japanese so you don't understand anything it's like is it like I, the grow games i f- no, no i feel it's... like it is like it is like the dumbest it is probably the <laughs> dumbest like wait for timers and spend coins like free to play game that there is on ios but because all the ui is in japanese it's <laughs> also like this crazy weird puzzle it's game like where you try to figure out what the fuck is going on yeah that's okay i'm into it i will see if that's on android yeah I don't know, man. It's like everyone was suddenly talking about it, and I was like, "Oh wow, I totally get why this is interesting." Yeah. Like, it's pretty cute. It is a lot of super yeah. Cute. yeah cats. Everywhere. No, it's like very much a thing that like a like a like a girl might be delighted to play with you. Like it's like, hey, look at that. Then you can name the cats. Yeah. Like yeah. this one cat, I put a bag out, and then a cat came and got inside the bag, and so I named that cat Baggy. Okay, there's nothing girly <laughs> about that. No. <laughs> That's just delightful. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Oh, yeah, it's it's man, it's great. I got, I got a I bought a uh, 
a bunch of cats came by. When when cats come by and then hang around for a while and then leave, they give you either some sardines, or which are the standard currency, or gold sardines, which are the premium <laughs> currency. And I spent a bunch of gold sardines on a scratching post that was just like a, a hunk of raw log. And I set <laughs> that up in my, my little backyard and... The next time I clicked in to look, because the cats, the cats don't arrive or leave while you're looking at the game. You have to like go away and do something else and pick your phone up again later to see if anything happened. And the next time I looked at my phone, there was a cat dressed as a samurai with a sword <laughs> preparing to chop this log in half. Wow. Yeah, I got a baseball. Uh, I got a. I got a baseball playing cat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for putting a baseball scratching post (laughs) he just it was just a baseball and he showed up and he was wearing a little baseball uniform and i named him slugger (laughs) all right this is reminding me of like the the viva pinata community where you would you would send pinatas with ridiculous names to each other no i don't know it's pretty charming you know like like i feel like what's gonna happen is that they're going to they're going to localize it and then no one's going to give a shit anymore. Mm. Like it'll just right. be, it'll, a, right. like, no one will be paying attention anymore by the time that patch gets through. So and what, also that will just ruin the wh- mystique. What this of, means yeah, is that you, they could make Farmville a fascinating game by translating, localizing it out of like, delocalizing <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of happened to, uh, uh, um, uh, somebody on Twitter. Who was it? I think it was Ryan. Um, had given up playing uh, Animal Crossing and then went back to it when he discovered that you could play it in French. Oh. <laughs> so he's just he's just been playing French Animal Crossing. Right, yeah. Uh, do you guys want to talk about this assignment, Super Mario Brothers? Do we want to talk about E3 stuff? Sure. Uh, and would we ever stop if we started? <laughs> well, okay, that'll <laughs> maybe not. Do we want to cut not, this one short? Like, if we want to do a short episode today, I can. I can. No, deal with it's that. fine. I I have not been. I don't remember ever giving a shit about any news that came out of E3, and I feel like I have found out about thirty things that I give a shit about yeah. out of this. E3. It's been a very been give a shit E3 things, this year. Yeah. I mean, there there was an article I read that commented that this year Sony busted like three of the longest running like vaporware video game jokes oh in, yeah in announcing final fantasy 7 remake shenmue 3 and the last guardian all at the same time right right well they were only able to do that because they were they were set up for it by incompetent 10 years ago sony <laughs> <laughs> i the only thing i didn't pay a lot of attention to any of the nintendo stuff like that just seemed to be like oh of course there are new games in all of these series. Because we because you were busy being a puppet, we know. We know. Yeah, that's true. Uh the, man, Fallout the, 4. Ah, oh, fuck yeah. Fallout 4. Yeah. Dishonored 2. Yep. Dishonored 2. Yep. I mean, like, I knew that they were working on like I did like I have an acquaintance who did some consulting work on Dishonored 2, and he was like, I'm not allowed to say that it's Dishonored 2, but it's fucking obviously Dishonored 2. You know, so <laughs> right. I, we, we knew we uh, everyone knew that it was gonna happen. But that's- it was still like, oh right, yes. Yes, I am going to buy that and play the shit out of it when it comes out yeah. and have a good time. That's like the friend of mine who was working on a, this was like two years ago. He was working on 
a math package in Z80 assembly and he wasn't able he wasn't able to say what it was but he knew a whole lot about the TI86 line of calculators when I was t- <laughs> <laughs> But yeah the uh, n- the Nintendo thing that actually caught my interest was the um the World Championships which is the first Nintendo World Championships they've done since like or the only one years or whatever they, they the first one was in like 1992 and then this is the second one um and it actually there were like three competitors I recognized from the speedrunning scene so I think they actually got genuinely the best people probably wow um and the selection of games was good uh, they had some like they 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 did like uh a speed run of like through the first dungeon of the first Legend of Zelda, hmm. huh? And then a speed run of a certain section of some Super Metroid, and then they had competitive Splatoon and Super Smash Brothers. So it was like a, a good selection of like across the, the good historical stuff and the good recent stuff. And then the final competition was um, custom like custom designed levels in Mario Maker, and I had like I had heard about Mario Maker and didn't really give a shit about it because. Uh, I've played Mario Mario mods a bunch, and um, they they tend to be pretty bad because the people making them aren't good game designers. Hmm. You know, they're just like, I'm going to make the hardest Mario level ever. Um, and these were actually like good, interesting looking levels that that seemed like this is that it was designed that was both like kind of hard but also well considered, not just as hard as possible. And also surprising and funny. So I'm, if this actually like ships with these levels or if there's a good way to curate the level, the, the selection of levels, Ooh. then I'm actually really interested in that game. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've always said about the ROM hack stuff is that I wish that there were just people making interesting, but not impossible. Yeah. Very. It's just so much because- easier to make impossible levels than good <laughs> levels. Right. And that just seems to be what the particular community that, that got that sort of coalesced around that is into. And that was always a little disappointing to me because it's like, well, no, I'm really into the idea of custom Mario levels. I just want some that are like, just customized to be fun rather than customized to be hard. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it seems like, and I was excited about little big planet, except that the actual gameplay of little big planet is fucking garbage. So yeah, yeah. Just didn't deliver on that. Yep. Uh, Yep. I mean, what I wish I think is that there was Mario maker, where the UI for making levels was on a PC and also the game was on a PC. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I think what I want is Spelunky maker, but that's, that's just Spelunky. Well, I mean, yeah. You just, you and just I mean, play you can, it enough until the level that you would have designed. Right. Out. You get, you find the seed you want. <laughs> yep. Is there an interface I mean, there in that game where you can just enter a seed? Uh, no, but there's a third party. There's like a memory resident thing that you can right, do to enter a seed. And then you can also, um, you can also just, they've trained it to load custom levels. Oh, that's cool. Like you, I think you just basically paste in a, a big blob of text and that's the level. <laughs> I remember at, at, uh, TIG jam three, I think, um, I remember watching over the shoulder of Derek Yu as he was working on that game, working on the HD port of it. I mean, the HD remake for Xbox. And he just had like levels defined as C strings, like string constants. Yeah. I mean, that's how the level generation in the game maker one worked, right? right? Like every room, it that wasn't like, it was sections of levels. 
And right, you know, yeah. there were just there was one character that meant like, oh, there's a fifty percent chance of there being a block here, you know, and there's another one that meant, ah, oh, this is probably where a treasure is if there's yeah, a treasure yeah. in Like this a lot of the and, time and you don't need like it yeah. you don't need a com- a complicated tool chain to get something done. A lot of the time you yep. can just do it the simplest possible way. Did you yep. see the there was a I retweeted this when JP posted it. Um it was a, a linked to link to a file in uh GitHub that was the Quake source code. Where it was strings defining like light blink patterns, hmm. like here's a strobe light and it's ma 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 ma, and <laughs> just just like all the light blink patterns look like weird chants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any any other uh, any other E3 news catch anybody's eye? I I want to talk about um, Shenmue. Well, I, and the Kickstarter and the yeah, like the this dystopian future we live in, where now even AAA games like you have to go through Kickstarter to get them. I I, I really do think like they they asked for like two million dollars to make that game, yeah, and they got it almost immediately. But um, that's so fucking like that's I think the most lowball of any kickstarted game i can think of well, well right they said the budget the budget of shenmue one was like 40 million dollars yeah. well yeah and adjusted for inflation that's more like 80 well i mean it's it it comes down to like it's the same sort of thing as bloodstained did where bloodstained had a a publisher that said you need five million to make this game we'll give you 90 percent of that if you can prove that it will sell by right. getting the the other half million on Kickstarter. I mean, this is just the same thing. The Sony decided that Kickstarter backers worth 2 million will equate to 200 million in retail sales. So if they can get that much off Kickstarter, then it'll be worth doing. I wonder if that's true. Yeah, I do too. I We live in a weird time. I don't think it's necessarily a bad time. No? No, but, it looks, but like it's. I guess you are capturing every segment of the market, right? Because the, the people who care the most will give the money up front, and the people who... And, and they will sometimes... Like, there are people who pledged $10,000 right. to this. Exactly. So you get, you get, that, you get the people who were, were willing to pay a bunch of money for the game and, and all the little extras, and then you get the people who will you know, three years after it's released, pay 80% off the retail price on some sort of, and you do it in a way that's not alienating. Like you can't, uh, it's not like, Oh, well we'll have in case somebody wants to give us $10,000, we'll just have 10,000 different $1 DLCs that you can buy, (laughs) you know, it's all of them. You have to pay us $10,000. Like, yeah, but I think, you know, Jim, I know you've expressed the concern that this, trains people to dramatically underestimate the amount of money that it costs to make a video game. Yeah, and and that's a thing that like I I have no first-hand experience with this because like everybody I follow understands how much it costs to make a video game. Everybody I follow on Twitter. So I don't hear people complaining about this, but I hear people complaining about people complaining about it. <laughs> you know. So I actually don't I only have second-hand a second-hand sense of people who misunderstand the costs of development. Um, but it really does seem like, especially given that they, they didn't make it clear until later that, that it was uh publisher backed. In fact, um, 
And they have no incentive to because it's, the Kickstarter is fully funded now. So, that, yeah, that season's a little disingenuous. I, I and everybody I talked to like understood like that that must be what's happening. Like it's obvious if you know how much games cost. But if you don't, then it just like it reinforces a false impression. Although I feel like you maybe could make a game of the caliber of Shenmue One for two million dollars if you were just like three guys. I wonder, like, three yeah, guys, you know, with with in years. the Unity engine and using Unity asset store stuff. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, I I Not think even... yeah yeah no that's true. I, I mean, I, and I wonder like the, the other thing I wanted to talk about was did anybody any of us play Shenmue? No, I, I don't. played one of them. I don't remember if it was one or two. Were they like, both Dreamcast games, right? Uh, Shenmue 2 didn't come out in the United States on Dreamcast. It only came out on Xbox. Okay, then I played Shenmue 1. Right. Um, like, every th- I, I haven't played it, but I've, I've watched videos of it and I've read about it, and it didn't actually seem like that good a game. It was more of, this game is super interesting in this particular time and place. Mm. It, it was, was a game. Yeah, it was a weird was, sort of slice of life simulator, and then every now and then there's a, you discover a piece of mystery. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is cool, and it, it's especially cool in like 1999. Yeah. Um, and I think making, if in order to not disappoint people, you have to you're gonna have to work a lot harder these days, and I don't even mean just, just to make better graphics. I mean like. To make something that feels like that game felt in 1999 today is very difficult. I mean, even Watch Dogs, which is ostensibly just about kind of watching people live their lives. Yeah. It, the, the seams are pretty apparent, right? Like, <clears throat> right, right. Having any kind of thing that's a, that, that is supposed to emulate real life is the bar is so high now. Right. And a lot of games are just doing like, walk around this space and explore it kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, so it's, that's, that's not interesting of itself anymore. Yeah. Um, this is actually relevant to the assignment. I've been doing a, uh, I, for the past year of my life, I've been on a Mario moratorium, I call it, <laughs> which it basically started because I realized that I didn't, I, I felt like I wanted to play a Mario game, but I, I went I couldn't think of one I wanted to play, and what I eventually realized was that I wanted to play a game that made me feel like Mario used to make me feel. Oh, wow. And so I was like, maybe I'm just oversaturated on Mario. Hmm. Um, and so I, I, except for like a one-night stand I had with Ben Grew, where we 100% <laughs> at Super Mario Brothers 3 over New Year's. Um, <laughs> I have a cheat day. It's right, yeah. I get one a year. Um. Did you find such a game as made you feel like Mario used to? No. Um, no, but I've been having other kinds of fun, which is cool. Um, and, and the purpose of this wasn't, was not to like, so I could play, spend my time on other games. It was more to like, if I am in fact just oversaturated on Mario, um, you don't want to chase the dragon. Right. And mm-hmm. may- maybe like, maybe time away will help. Um, and I did really enjoy playing the the first game for the assignment. I've forgotten how hard it gets. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't get very far before losing patience. I was playing with save interest. states, so I just 
Are we, are, we just, just, are we just doing this now? Let's just do yeah, it. Yeah, we're doing Let's it. We're talking about it. the assignment, right. Super Mario Brothers for the NES. I had not, I don't, I don't remember the last time I just played all the way through all of the levels of Super Mario Brothers from beginning to end. Without skipping and, through yeah. the warp zone. Yeah, and yeah. It, because that game basically became, after a while it became, go through the warp zones and just kind of speed run it, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Just get through it as fast as possible. And then after that got boring, it became show people how to get to world negative one. <laughs> right. And that's what the game was, you know? Because that the especially the negative one thing was a weird, cool thing that you could feel happy with yourself for pulling it off and you could do it in like three minutes. <laughs> and then you were just done. Yeah. No, it's it's a cool and it's actually like if you we missed out because if you pl- do that on the Famicom version, it's actually the minus world is a lot more interesting. Oh yeah? It it's one of the the um the hilltop levels with like with flying squids running around, and I think huh. I think Peach shows up in there. Hmm. So I made a list here of all the things that suck about Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> okay, I was thinking about all the cool things, so we should we should definitely compare the art list. Is I, your joke that your list has zero items on it? No, I've, I've got like a page and a half of stuff here. What? <laughs> wow. Okay. Sacrilege. I, I'm thinking this game does not make you feel like Mario used to make you feel. No, no, I actually really enjoyed it. Okay. I want to make that clear up front. I had a lot of fun going back to this and exercising this old skill set that I haven't used in a while. Mm. Um, Very fun. Uh, very enjoyable. Bowser's fireball sprites are displayed backwards. What? Yeah. It's fucked up. Like, how does that make it through QA? <laughs> <laughs> Is there oh, you know I read the manual did you know that the the fire the big fireballs that come out of the pools of lava and go up and then go back down are named podobu I thought it was podobo In the manual it said podobu <laughs> Okay all right they're also like, not animated they just move they're just sprites that just move Yeah right like everything else has like a walk animation or something and they're just they're just like boop 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 they don't like I was like that looks really weird now <laughs> well, you know what else isn't animated, and this is on my list—the water at the bottom of the, yeah. under, the under the bridges. It's yeah. just like stationary, standing waves. Okay, frozen. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> same as lava. The lava is also the lava is also exactly like water, except orange. Yeah, which is to say, completely irrelevant. Uh-huh. Like it's just it's just a different kind of hole. Uh-huh. Yeah. And if you fall in the water, even though Mario is established as being able to swim, you just die. Not only swim, like have an extremely like long ability to hold your breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes, uh, you know how the sound effect replaces one of the, the the sound effects go in one of the square wave channels, and so usually that replaces one of the harmonies, so the melody stays the same. But there are some songs where they switch the channels so that all you hear is the harmony when sound effects are playing. It's bullshit, huh? <laughs> that that is something I did not notice. Uh, the the castle levels don't give you a time bonus at the end. There's no pole to jump on. No, there's not. But they could they could there's still like a time at which you 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 hit the axe. Yeah, okay. I mean the axe is clearly the pole, right? It's like, the pole analog. Sends you into a little cutscene. You know what I do appreciate? I do appreciate that if you have already killed Bowser with fireballs or one of the Bowser imposters. A, I appreciate that they took the time to replace each of the levels with a different corpse. Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. Bowser turns into when you oh, kill him with fireballs. Oh, this one was actually a Goomba. Yeah. 
And then you don't, it was like a weird albino Goomba. Right. right? Yeah. Like, like all Goombas in castle levels. <laughs> right. Uh, except if you kill Bowser, you then don't actually cut the bridge. Which is nice. Yeah, yeah. The axe just Because why would you? You don't want to just like somebody else might move into this castle after (laughs) now that you've cleared it out, right? So like you don't want to fuck up their cool bridge. Yeah. (laughs) Why would anyone live in any of these castles? They're all terrible. (laughs) The castles don't make any sense. The bricks are really fragile. (laughs) The the fire bars. Oh, in the castles, the bricks don't break. Right. Um, The fire bars, the rotating fire bars, they rotate at like half frame rate. It's just like, what is that? Uh, and I've got a bunch of other stuff here that's actual criticism. Um, <laughs> that's Oh, the life counter can't properly display numbers above nine. It's like there's a little oh, wow. crown thing. Right. Um, when your head is off screen, like when you jump up above the screen and you throw a fireball, the fireball doesn't appear. It just vanishes immediately because it's off screen. Okay. Um, the collision system. This is actually weird. The collision system... Um, whether or not you hit an enemy or get hit by the enemy depends on your uh, upwards versus downwards velocity. So if you're moving upwards, then you even if you're like you are above the enemy, you still get hit. And if you're moving downwards, even if it's just like your fist colliding with the enemy, you you, are, you hop on the enemy effectively. Uh huh. Interesting. And sometimes that works in your favor, and sometimes like. If you're like landing on a step above a Koopa or whatever, or like, or rather, if you're on a step above a Koopa and it walks into you, you will take a hit because you don't have any Y velocity. So zero counts as going up. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, which makes sense because you're you almost always want it to lose a health point when you're walking into a, an enemy. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm sick of criticizing this game. This is a great game, guys. <laughs> you know, there are so many. There are so many. The good scoring system is terrible. It. Yeah, scores <laughs> scores obnoxious. But the score is just kind of irrelevant, right? Yeah, it, nobody, it is. Nobody plays this game for score. People play this game for forward progress. It's true. It's true. But they could have made a good scoring system too, if they'd cared about it, which they didn't. What do you actually think is bad about the scoring system? Uh, it it is. The way to do well at this game score wise is to find one of the like three parts of the game where you can get a bunch of points at once and then a one up and then die right. and just do that forever. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But again, because nobody really cares about score, nobody does that. <laughs> uh, except people trying to like get on the high score list in Nintendo Power by taking a photo of their screen. Oh, yeah. And that high score list was just like immediately all nines. I liked well, the crowns. Uh, I liked the right. five hundred point uh playthrough that was Oh, really that was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really well done. How did they finish levels without getting points? Uh, if you that's hit the, the very bottom of the flagpole with zero seconds left. Oh man, that's bogus. <laughs> yeah. They don't make you I mean, at least in the video that they showed, they did not make you watch the timer countdown. <laughs> right. They right. fast forwarded that part. I, uh, you know, something that I appreciated about it on this playthrough, or I actually looked through the entire game, is that it really never repeated any layouts. There, that was one of my critiques that I didn't bother reading. Like, starting like at level six three, 
they're about a third of the levels are like modified versions of earlier levels of previous levels with like more enemies in them. Yeah, I guess I guess that is true. Like I did I did note that seven two is exactly the same as two two with like fifty percent more enemies spawned right, in. Right. But that's which kind of still interesting, right? Because different it enemy does placements. change it. I mean, the, yeah. the enemies definitely change the way. Like, and I and I think that the level, the bridge level seven three versus two three, is an entirely different problem to solve with additional enemies in it. Yeah. <clears throat> they, they definitely keep things varied early on though. Like, yeah. you know, cause there's the, there's the, the first four zones are all, all have very distinct feels. And then they, and then, you know, in the second set of zones, they vary it up even more with the water level. Like it, like it just, it continues to feel fresh. I think, a yeah, long they did, time. They did a really good job, <clears throat> I think, especially for like the amount of um, the cartridge size, which was like forty kilobytes. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize until I until I read the Wikipedia article about Super Mario Brothers that it was in development at the same time as The Legend of Zelda. Oh, really? Which suddenly makes it seemed way less impressive to me because of how much game The Legend of Zelda felt like it was. Well, it was. It was also like. 128k cartridge no but yeah no made of solid gold it was much (laughs) bigger right yeah solid solid plastic painted gold i remember being a kid when this came out and just being I don't know, so intrigued by it because I had like seen it and then I played it once in an arcade and then I was like, I can't believe that this is a thing that you can play on a home console. Like, hmm. this is going to change everything. No, and it did. It, Yeah, it absolutely did. And like having gone from like having an Atari when I was very, very young to there not being any home video games for a while, except I was still playing Atari. Right. <laughs> because it was still there to that. Even as crude as it seems relative to the stuff that came out in the later years of the Nintendo, like it was, it was just a revelation. Yeah. There was something really special about it, specifically like the scope of it, just how, how it just kept going and going and going. And it, it took a long time before you, before you would see the end of it. If you, if you weren't already really good at it, I mean. The learning curve kept you invested. Yeah. Did you time. did you play Adventure on the Atari? Yeah. That was the that's the game that I think of when I think of like the game that is most content driven on that system. Sure. Yeah. And it is like so necessarily so small that it feels more like a score attack game, in t- where like the the layout of the level is just like a. It's almost a game mechanic. It's almost like part of the scoring system, even though I don't think you actually have a score in that game. And I I do think it's just the scope there where they were trying to give you a bunch of, you know, cool levels to go through, but they just couldn't fit enough on the on the cartridge to make it feel that way. Yeah, and weirdly, like, Pitfall did so much better a job of that. That is, yeah, yeah, I agree. Right, just by being, by being a, a more or less procedural. Right, Right, like, yeah. Pitball, Pitball, Pitfall was just seeded procedural generation with some rules attached to it. Right, right. And just the addition of a time limit 
so, so that you couldn't. you couldn't, no matter how good you were, you couldn't just keep going forever, but you probably could have gotten further, you know, if you had been better, right. like just made it seem infinite in a way that I honestly kind of feel like as a kid, at least adventure because I was never good enough at it to fully explore it on the harder difficulty levels. It also felt like a huge thing with that that's really cool. Okay. Anything, yeah. You know, I only played adventure after I played the legend of Zelda. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Going backwards. I think it would not have had any charm yeah. at all. Oh, well, I liked it. I mean, I, 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 I remember, but, but I was, I was definitely like in a retro sort of a mood looking for something that was like, let's, let's play one of the origins of this, hmm. this genre. My, my dad had extremely fortunate taste in Atari games <laughs> for, for me, because he also had, and a thing that I played a bunch of as a kid was they basically did an Atari port of NetTrack. What is that? So it is, it is like an old teletype Star Trek game. Oh yeah. Like where you're issuing you're issuing like three letter commands and then getting text output that is like your short range scan and your long range scan and the galaxy map and like your resources and you've got moves like, you know, fire a photon torpedo at this orientation and then maybe it hits one of the Klingons, you know, or maybe it hits your starbase and blows it up. But there was just an Atari port of that <laughs> right. which was incomprehensible but because it was one of like eight games that i had i had to like learn how to play it and then it was like oh wow this is just a turn-based strategy game where everything is represented by like ascii art even though it's an atari game like this could have just been sprites but they just made it ascii art because that's what the original was right yeah so did it use just the joystick and button interface yeah wow yep joystick and butt interface <laughs> good good classy yep super mario brothers is really good yeah i believe that i believe that more i believe it slightly more now after having played through this again like it really was foundational yeah yeah even though i'm sure you can point to things that did every individual thing that it did before it no, there's there's definitely like uh um there's definitely like a, a cohesiveness to it that that none of the like if if you've played like Pac Land or whatever what was the what was the platformer that yeah that directly preceding it preceded it yeah. like I played a shitload of Pac Land because they had it in the arcade when I was a kid right and you could get you could make you know you could play it for a while on a quarter so like that was that was like a primary right. value access for an arcade game right yep. I'd like to go back to that. I wonder how much of that I remember. You should you should talk about it. You should talk about it next week. Yeah, I should I should find a mame rom of that and play it and then talk about it. Yeah, because I don't want to play it. I want to hear about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, and yeah, super. I mean, it, it's not a perfect game by any means. Like there are a lot of and not not and not just like the the half jokes I was reading aloud. Um, there are like a lot of. I, I think, for example, the Hammer Brothers are just bullshit. <laughs> like the hammer and the hammer like weapons in general like they're 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 it's so erratic yeah that you can't predict you can't predict it and it's so fast that you can't react to it yeah i mean the the way to get the way to deal with them is to run onto the screen before enough hammers spawn to have gotten in your way right or just have fireballs 
Right, yeah. Yeah, and the way to get through 8-4 is to finish 8-3 with fireballs, so, like, you're incentivized to kill yourself if you're at the end of 8-3 without them. Oh, right, because there's just no power-ups in 8-4. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember pretty regularly beating 8-4 as small Mario. Oh, sure, it's totally possible, but it's so right. much easier with, with fireballs. Yeah, once once Bowser starts throwing hammers, those encounters get to be real bullshit. Yeah. Well, and, and specifically, like, the situation in 8-4, at the end of 8-4, there's, like, a Hammer Brother and a Potobo, and those are two enemies that are just unpredictable. Uh, and if you, like, wait for the Hammer Brother to jump and you run under him, you have no, you can't stop there and wait for the Potobo. You have to just jump, and it's a hope, total... Hope the Potobo's timing doesn't kill you. Or, or Potobo, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so me saying it your way makes you say it my way? <laughs> yeah, well, now I feel guilty for, like, corrupting oh. you. <laughs> Language is a virus, Jim. That's just uh, how it works. Yep. It's true. Um, the, I remembered 8-4. If you had asked me to describe 8-4, I think I would have described 4-4. Four, four. Oh. Oh, the maze level. Oh, that's another bullshit yeah. thing. Like, yeah. I, don't, like I, I have those memorized, and I must have had them memorized at, like, I have had them memorized since I remember things. Uh, because... I just go through those, like, no problem. But then I played versus Super Mario Brothers uh, with the arcade version. And um, they have different mazes. And I just, I got to the first maze and ran out of lives. Ran out of time on each of my lives because I couldn't fucking get through the maze. I didn't remember the, or I didn't, I couldn't find the sequence of, of platforms to run onto. It's not interesting gameplay. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, I had fun solving it this time around. What'd you do? Right? How, how did you like? How did you deliberately solve that? I just tried every combination. I w the thing is because I knew what kind of thing I was trying to do. Right. But with yeah. save states, it's a different beast, right? Like, yeah, but I didn't. I mean, there in four four, there aren't any threats. There is only the maze, right? So I didn't bother with save states. Hmm. Okay. There later, there's one. There is a maze that also has threats. But it's kind of divided into two different sections. Like, that's it's weird because how does that even work? Like, I don't actually understand logically what's happening. You mean, well, like, spatially, it makes no sense if that's what you're well, talking right, about. Right, right, right. But I'm saying I don't, I don't understand how they're even like. I don't understand how they wired the levels up to make them work that way. Oh, yeah, one of, I mean, sections loop unless you step on the right platforms. I think is what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there, it's definitely not perfect, but it is of a piece, and that it is, is... And it's it's one of the... It's definitely one of the canon, and it's one of the most... I, I, I This may just be because I've played it so young, but this it feels like... Almost like the Ur video game. Hmm. It's very, very primal, very like... It is. It's what everyone thinks of when they think of video game. If you have to, if you have to pick one game to be an example, it, yeah, it becomes the yeah. And I think like mathematically, Tetris probably has a better. Uh, you can it, make a better case for that logically. Except it doesn't have an avatar. It doesn't have a, a thing that represents you in yeah. the same way. And I feel like that is so much more resonant with people. Well, I'm the little S piece. Yeah, I always <laughs> thought of myself as this as the square uh, because it reminds me of my dick. <laughs> Just saying a lot about your aspect ratio, Zach. 
Yes. I, I think I, my eyes are set to the wrong F stop, and so it just always <laughs> looks like that to me. <laughs> uh, what's our next assignment, Kevin? Uh, we're going to try. This is a bit of an experiment because uh, I've never actually in, like worked with this emulator. Uh, we're going to try a game for the Sega Master System. Uh, I believe it is called Is. Is the Vanished Omens. Uh, I don't know much about it, uh, but it sounds interesting. You know, I'm going to listen to the Joanna Newsom album Ease while I uh, play this game. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, I hear it has a pretty good soundtrack, so maybe you shouldn't do that. Well, I'll listen to the Joanna Newsom album in the left earbud and Ooh, the yeah. video game soundtrack in the right earbud Done. and see if they like totally match up, man. <laughs> yeah. And if they don't, I will just smoke more pot until they do. There's nothing <laughs> there's nothing in the rules of basketball that say you can't listen to two different kinds of music in each ear. It's true. It's true. <clears throat> Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail for our listener's mail segment that we have done, I think, every episode for like 20 episodes at this point, and Amazing. I am so, so proud of us, how would they go about doing that? Uh, the best way would be to go to our website, videogameshotdog.com, and fill out our web form there. You can also tweet us at VGHotDog or email us at VGHotDog at gmail.com, uh, but less guarantees on those things. I'm going to go eat some sushi with talented animator Wes and noted Lady Rachel, uh, but I've had a great time recording episode number 203 of Video Games Hot Dog with you fellas, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us, and until you do, keep your mouth on the stove and keep smashing the freezer. Do it. Good night. Have a, have a great week, everybody.